The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. For me to be 38 years at the same church, I will tell you this, the most rewarding part of pastoring is watching people come to faith, embracing the faith, living it out, and then raising their families for God. And I get to watch that. Like thousands of others across this nation and the world, John Bouquet pastors a local church, a church that may not be known much outside its own community, but a church that is faithfully teaching the gospel and seeing lives change, doing its part in the kingdom of God. Coming up now in first person, you'll meet this pastor and hear his calling. Welcome to The Conversation. I'm Wayne Shepherd. You'll find us online at firstpersoninterview.com. This program is made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company, which supports the local church wherever it exists. And wherever it doesn't exist, FEBC is working to fill the gap and work toward the goal of planting a church. For more about this broadcast and internet ministry, which is celebrating its 75th year, please go to febc.org. John Bouquet is the pastor of Bethel Chapel in the town of Savannah, Ohio, located in Ashland County. I think Bethel would be considered an average-sized church in America today. I picked out John for this interview because he's such a great example of a pastor who's leading his church well, and he's a leader in his community as well. Thank you, Wayne. Uh, privileged to introduce myself. So obviously, my name is John Bouquet, and um, born and raised in the state of New Jersey. And my father was an executive with General Motors, and then that process brought us to Ohio in the seventies, early seventies, and. Uh, God called me to preach at a local Baptist church in Milan, Ohio, a little little Southern Baptist church that God did a great job in. And then uh, I went off to Bible college, and right at my graduation in 1982 from Tennessee Temple University in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I landed at Bethel Baptist Church in Savannah, Ohio. Now, that sounds so big, <laughs> and it sounds so massive, but it is not. It is like the total opposite of Savannah, Georgia. Savannah is a little rural community in the northern part of Ashland County, and it has about 364 people. It had about 362 people when I came here. Uh, It's just a small rural community, but we have a thrilling, exciting, uh, independent church here, community-minded Baptist church uh, that I've had the privilege of pastoring since uh, 1982. Mm. I've been here. So, John, for those around the country, uh, you mentioned Ashland County. Where does where does that fall in the state of Ohio? So it's north central Ohio, Wayne. It's about 80 miles north of uh, Columbus, and it's about 40 miles south of Lake Erie, Cedar Point. Most people know that when they start yeah. listening to sure. broadcasts. Sure. Well, obviously, you've been there a long time, and I know that you love the community, don't you, John? Wayne, these are the best people God ever sent me to. Hmm. They're just wonderful, real Americans. They love the Lord. They follow good pastoral leadership, and they love the teaching and preaching of the Word of God, and they actually like to practice it, which is what has kept me here, because Mm -hmm. they actually go out and do the work of the ministry, so it's really exciting. Even so, I'm sure there are challenges in that county, and many rural areas across the country are plagued by drugs. Is that a problem where you live? 
it is. It actually is. It's a, a serious problem, and we have some ministries that I'm associated with that are addressing that. Yeah, we have a serious drug problem among the youth, and um, actually, I don't know that there's an age limit. It's it's penetrating every every age category in, in humanity, which is a shocker to me that you'd, you'd see, you know, senior adults get on drugs. Some of those are narcotics, and some of those are beyond that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a serious problem. Yeah. Well, John, we've been friends for a few years through our association with the American Policy Roundtable and the Public Square, and I know you serve on the board of APR. And uh, I just respect your leadership a great deal. I thought it'd be fun to get to know you as a person and your calling as a pastor here in first person today. So tell me about when you uh, came to Christ in the first place. Well, Wayne, I, I was born into a family of two parents that were basically not believers. And uh, they were just, you know, two people fell in love and they couldn't have kids. And I don't know why. I didn't, you know, I've just told this story. But eventually my mother came to faith in Christ through a testimony of a Christian musician. And she, my mom, got the real, whatever the real born-again experience was, she got it. (laughs) And she came to faith in Christ in the late 50s. A woman by the name of Darlene Swanson did a piano concert and led her to Christ, one of three women at the concert that she personally led to Christ. I don't know the lady, (laughs) I can't wait to meet her in heaven because mm-hmm. it changed everything in our family. And then two years later, my mother went through a spiritual growth spurt and discovered the story of Hannah. And she she just told me that that was her prayer. God, give me a give me a son, and I'll dedicate him to you. And you know, I March of 1960, I was born. So that, that, well, mom raised us in the faith. She had a sister come along three years later. So we had, you know, two, two children, mom and dad. My father was not a believer, and but he wasn't resistant. He just wasn't a believer. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom raised us for Christ. And when I was seven years old, I was a very sick young man. I got, you know, you think you're going to die with the mumps and the chicken pox at the same time. Oh, boy. So that was my, that was my uh, curse in life. <laughs> <laughs> And I did. I thought I was going to die. And I remember laying on the couch thinking, Mom, I'm going to die, but I don't want to go to hell. And I want Jesus to come into my heart because I had uh, some will listen and laugh at this, but we were doing flannel graph in Sunday school in those days. Oh, yeah. I remember well. Sure. Again, how old were you when you did this? I was seven years old. Okay. Seven years old when I, I had this. Yeah, it was a very traumatic experience. And uh, I remember my mom sharing the gospel with me, and she just said, hey, it's something you have to do when you're ready, and let me know, you know, if you have any more questions. And I remember that night I got down on my knees and in my bedroom, got out of the bed, and got down on my knees and asked Jesus to come into my heart. Wonderful. Hmm. Yeah, it was obviously that now you're, you're seven years old, you, yeah. you know, your sins are beating up your sister and, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, yeah. lying to your parents. Believe me, so. I know. I, I was seven when I put my faith in Christ as well. I remember it uh, after a Sunday school lesson, Ralph Schaff was the uh, Sunday school teacher, and I went home and knelt by my bed that day, that Sunday afternoon. Yeah, so, so you, you, get, you get it. I mean, it's very, it's genuine, it's sincere, and <laughs> you have no idea what yeah. you just did. You don't really understand everything, but, you know, uh, the Spirit drew you to faith, right? Yeah. And and my mom discipled us, literally discipled us. I, I have the Bible that she used to teach us the Word of God. 
you know, Family Christian Radio was our learning place. Oliver B. Green and, um, oh my, I could just go down the list. Mm-hmm. Jay Vernon McGee, McGee mm-hmm. were the men and women that she listened to uh, on Family Christian Radio in New Jersey that discipled her. She bought all their books, which was my first pastoral library. Mm-hmm. Then we moved. And, and that was a, a move of God, too. When did the idea to become a pastor, or, or did it come up uh, before college or after, during college? Tell me about that part of the story. No, no. The, so we moved to Ohio. I was 14 years old. It's very huge change. You know, you're going into high school, and your father tells you, hey, we're moving to Ohio. You know, Ohio was like way out west from New Jersey. Yeah. You know, I was a New York kid, and, you know all the things that you can imagine in a crowded little state like New Jersey and New York. Um, so yeah, we moved and it was just like turning my world upside down because, uh, I was, I was a baseball player in New Jersey oh. and I was fairly good and, and getting on all the all-star teams. And it was my, literally my passion to get into high school baseball. And I remember walking on the field as a junior high kid saying, in a couple of years, I'm going to play on this field. And, you know, all the things that happen when all-star leagues and how you get voted, you know, player of the game or player of the tournament and all those things were happening. And it was cool. And then my dad tells me I'm moving to Ohio. You know, I didn't even know if they played baseball in Ohio. The hinterlands, huh? <laughs> yeah, because I knew it was rural. And, I and you know, and he told me, you know, that the school I was going to go to was smaller than my elementary school in New Jersey, which didn't bring me a lot of joy and thrill. <laughs> so, yeah, that was... Uh, we, we came to Ohio, and my mother, because of her faith and deep convictions, said, we're, we're going to move to the town where the church is going to be. Oh. Because in New Jersey, we had to drive like 35 miles to a church that preached the gospel and, and raised us in the faith. Uh, that's how, we got it, uh, how I got associated with Word of Life, because hmm. it was a Word of Life church in New Jersey. But anyway, so we come to Ohio, and she found a little church. She would sit down with pastors, and she'd say, I want to know if you're going to preach the gospel. I want to know if you're going to give an invitation on Sunday mornings for people to be saved. And I want to know if you have a youth department for my two kids. <laughs> and if they didn't answer all those questions right, Wayne, she walked right out the pastor's door and never looked back. She knew what she wanted. She did, because uh, she knew how far we had to go. She knew how hard it was to get us involved in things, and she knew the value of, of the faith. So she was just dynamo committed to this thing. So she found the church, and then she told my dad, she said, you can buy a piece of land in Milan, Ohio, birthplace of Thomas Edison, and we'll build a house. And that house was one mile and a half from my church. So I could ride my bike there as a 14-year-old. And that's how I got involved in the youth department. And... um we had a good youth department. I was a little, you know, spark plug. And we had a great little high school to work in and, and all the things that you can imagine. And I had a bunch of other friends that were Christians from the youth department. So, you know, one and two and three people that believe in the faith strong, all of a sudden you become really, really committed to the faith. And that's how I got into discipleship and Bible study. And I had a youth pastor that, uh, just motivated us, brother. And then he, he, but he motivated us and he tore our world up at the same time. If I can, if I can share that because he, uh, he ran away with the church secretary. Oh, 
and devastated us. Oh, goodness. Just, just, I remember the Wednesday night he came and in tears said goodbye to all of us before the meeting started. If you can just imagine this, we're in this little room, it's a little house by, by, the, by the church, there's probably 25 of us sitting in there. And he, I want to say goodbye, and, you know, we're like, what? You know, we didn't understand, and the, the church secretary was in the car, and they were they were leaving. Mm. And the pastor had just, you know, dismissed him. Oh. So we sat there as a bunch of, you. <laughs> I think we were like the disciples, like, what, now what? Mm-hmm. So we divided up. We decided, you know what, we're not going to stop doing what God was doing in our hearts and in our church and in our youth group Good. just because Randy left. Good. And so they, we all divided up the teaching responsibilities by alphabet, Wayne. <laughs> and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out if you don't have an A, it's a B. <laughs> <laughs> you came up early in the rotation, huh? I was the, I was the first guy to bat. I was the leadoff hitter. That's the way I looked at it. I was the leadoff hitter, and I was it was right in the heart of baseball season too because it was uh, it was April of 1976. I was having the season of seasons, brother. And we'll continue to get acquainted with John Bouquet, pastor of Bethel Chapel in Ohio, coming up in a moment. One year ago, I heard that one of FEBC's radio stations aired in our province, so I started to listen. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. So many Kazakh people here like listening to your radio broadcast, and we feel like a family because of it. Thank you so much for broadcasting to our nation. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is Pastor John Bouquet from Savannah, Ohio, near Ashland, Ohio, pastor of Bethel Baptist Church, also known as Bethel Chapel, talking with John about his story of coming to faith. And then I want to talk about your call, too. But going back to that story of the youth pastor, who was such a disappointment, I mean, that could have derailed you as a young man, but the Lord obviously protected your heart and your mind. He did. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I didn't understand it. Uh, it was devastating to the, to the youth. It was devastating to the church. He was a musician, too, so he's both a choir director kind of guy, and, you know, those guys did everything in those days. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it would galvanize the youth group. After we got over the kill of it, you know, we just galvanized ourselves and said, okay, we're going to divide up the responsibilities. We're in this particular study, and I, I said, yeah, I'll go home, man. I'll teach next week. And I went home, and I studied like I was going to preach to the Billy Graham Crusade in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and I was prepared, brother. So did that lead to your uh, calling? Uh, do you feel, did you feel like yeah. you were being called to be a pastor at that point then? Yeah, because that's what happened is the next I taught, and it, and it went well, and everybody's like, wow, that's great. And the next guy goes, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, well, it's your turn, dude. He goes, yeah, but I can't do what you just did. And why don't you, can, why don't you do next week? I'll do the week after that. So that happened two weeks in a row. So I'm preaching. I'm teaching for my third time. And Wayne, it was like somebody hit my head with a baseball bat. How so? I just, I felt God's call. Huh. And I went, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Because everything in my mind went through like, okay, that changes everything. So we're now into the 1st of May. This is the best part of the baseball season. We're playing the conference championship. 
I've got dreams. I got a letter from a couple of schools. Hey, finish your college, finish your high school career. Come see us. We want to, we want you to come to summer camps. I'm like, yes, this is everything I dreamed about. This is my world. And now God is interrupting my world and asking me to do something that I, I wasn't on my radar screen. So I just went, I was just devastated. And I came home and I shut my door and I, I literally lost it. I literally lost it. Um, and you have to understand, my mother, not one time in 16 years, ever said anything to me about ministry. Nothing. Never mentioned it. Never, nothing. So I'm going through this. She goes, what is wrong with you? And I said, I, I don't even want to tell you. <laughs> But I finally did. I said, look, I'm gone through this thing. And she goes, this is all she said. She said, well, you better listen, because it's right. Mm. And I went, oh, my. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know, that that speaks to me, because uh, the calling, sometimes you have to wrestle through it, don't you? Oh, I wrestled for two years, brother. That was just the initial knock on the door, this is what I want you to do. And that's when I went through this negotiation with God. You know, because I was going to be a Christian baseball player. And and I was going to pray, uh, you know, preach uh, in between the game. You know, you know how you negotiate. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Sure. You, I ra- you rationalize. I do yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And that was not on the cards. You know, going back to having the opportunity to to uh, speak and preach as a young person, that that also says to me that we need to be giving our young people that opportunity today. You're right, and I I'm not. We do it. We do it here. We work really hard at it. Yeah, we have to encourage young men. I like to look at young men's abilities and and give them opportunities. And when I see those opportunities, we have a, we have a ton of young young men pastoring around the country, missionaries on foreign fields. That over the years, youth pastors saw saw hmm. traits in them and developed them. Yeah, coming from that small country church in Ohio. Yeah, buddy. I'm telling you what, man, we got things happening here that most country churches wouldn't call country churches. What's the best thing? I know you're a leader in your community, John. I, I know that from mutual friends, but just what's the best thing about being a pastor where you are planted? Watching people's lives change, Wayne. For me to be 38 years at the same church, I have men and women that have been with me for 38 years and have been consistent in the faith. I've watched people blow up and recover. I watch people blow up and leave. But I will tell you this, the most rewarding part of pastoring is watching people come to faith, embracing the faith, living it out, and then raising their families for God. And I get to watch that. And the fact that you've been there all those years mean that you've seen that over a couple of generations now. Oh, yeah. I got, I got grandkids I'm watching, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I've, Wayne, I've, I've had over 900 funerals, over 250 weddings. It, it's the most amazing. I wouldn't trade what I do for anybody else's pastoral story. Hmm. Because just watching, it works. Look, the gospel works. That's the best part of the, of the call. The gospel works. The Bible is true. And if you practice it, People will embrace it, and it works. And when you get to see it work, how, how can you not be rewarded by that? Mm-hmm. Now, it's not me. I know it's God. But I get the privilege of introducing them to that God. 
and telling them how it works. And then when they practice it and they believe it, and that's what's great about these people is they believe the Word of God. And they go, hey, if, if you can show me in the Scriptures, I'm going to go do it. And when they do it, Wayne, we are watching the people of this ministry do the work of the ministry in a community, and that's why they have a tremendous influence, a tremendous imp- you know, reputation of being a real church. And to me, that's the most reward. I will lay my sword down someday and be a very satisfied man. What's the toughest challenge you face as a pastor? I can tell you that faster than you want to hear. Betrayal. When you get stabbed in the back by somebody that's smiling at you. Wendell Kempton. Do you remember Wendell Kempton? I do. Very well, yes. Wendell and I are very good friends. I served on his board for 14 years. And I remember he was doing a leadership series. He said, John... As a pastor, tell me the most difficult five things you've gone through. And I said, betrayal, 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 and betrayal. It hurts every time like it's the first time. Now, I don't have a lot of those stories. Right. I don't want a lot of those stories. But I have enough to keep, keep me true, hmm. keep my eyes on Jesus and not on men. That's the important thing. John, you mentioned uh, in passing a few minutes ago, Word of Life. And I know that you're, you're still connected with Word of Life. Uh, are you teaching? Yeah, I've been teaching at the Word of Life Bible Institute since 1991. So we're coming up, you know, on 30 years with them. I teach at their Bible Institute in Florida and New York and some other campuses around the world occasionally. Yeah, so I love, I mean, yeah, we love the ministry of Word of Life. It's been very important in my life. I know the Word of God is living and active in your life, John, but is there a particular passage or scripture verse that you always come back to, kind of a touchstone for your life? Matthew 6.33, brother. When I was 16 years old and I told my mother that I felt called to ministry and then I started fighting God, uh, she would write every single day. And I tell you that every day she would write it because I'd rip it up. She'd put a card on it and she said, you need to memorize this. And I would look at it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things be added unto us. I would rip it up. I'd throw it in the trash. She'd see it. She'd write me another card the next day, stick it right on my nightstand. Sometimes in the middle of the night, she'd put it there, and I'd wake up in the morning, and it was sitting there. Well, all of a sudden, when things changed in my life, and I did surrender my senior year in high school, I embraced that verse. And that is the totality of my life. Oh, we thank God for men like John Bouquet who have given their life to God in service of the local church. Perhaps this has prompted you to think of your own local pastor in his kingdom service. Be sure to encourage him in the ministry this week. And if you'd like to know more about John and the ministry of Bethel Chapel, we'll put a link to the church in our program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. If you'd like to listen again to today's interview or any past program, just click the listen button at firstpersoninterview.com or download our free smartphone app. The local church in many countries of the world is strengthened by the Far East Broadcasting Company through its programs. FEBC has a presence in nearly 50 countries of the world, always proclaiming the message of the importance of faith in Christ and the truth of God's Word. Please take a few moments to explore the many stories of how God is using FEBC to reach millions with this message. Go to febc.org and tell them thank you for supporting First Person. febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us again next time for First Person.